Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Kirk Church Podcast. I'm Aaron Elmore, lead pastor at Kirk of the Hills, located in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you can hear messages from all our pastors and guest speakers. Make sure to subscribe and share with anyone who follows the Kirk. If you want to know more about us, visit us at thekirk.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at the Kirk Church. Let's get started with today's episode. What an exciting morning. I mean, there's a lot going on this morning. We've had a baptism. We're all together, which is unusual for us. We're focusing on our city for four tolls a Sunday. And in reality, it's still Father's Day because we didn't get to celebrate it last week. So everybody who's a dad, a father, would you stand up and we could just give you a round of applause. This message is going to be for you. Um, You can thank me later. Uh, It is is the mind of prophets. Uh, But we we do want to talk a little bit about dads and uh, the impact that our fathers have on us. And and, uh, so that's today is is Amos. We're doing Amos. We were supposed to do it last week. So you you should have some cookies on your seats. Uh, Famous Amos, it's time to go. Feel free. So open up your cookies and eat them during the service. If you get thirsty, we have root beers in the back. You can go out, grab yourself a brewski, and um, just relax. Let's have a good time today. Amen? All right. Uh, Again, I am... Well, you got to see a little bit of our team that was serving the Lord in Macedonia. We got back... Uh, last week, uh, just before uh, everything went crazy here in Tulsa, and uh, we had an amazing time. We had an amazing time. The Lord used the team in powerful ways. We were to meet with our our workers there and and pray with them and counsel with them, uh, which was which was really needed. There were some things going on that just needed some attention, and and then we got to go up onto the mountain into a village. We had lunch with the imam of the village in in this in this muslim community and uh his wife spent all morning preparing a traditional uh a traditional dish for us uh of albanian origin called flea it was delicious and it was a labor of love and i thought in what universe do a bunch of christians from tulsa get to sit at the table of a Muslim imam in, in his village and show them the love of Jesus Christ while his kids are being secretly discipled. <laughs> Amazing! So anyway, great things happen there. And I just want to thank you all for praying for us because we really, really felt your prayers. All right, so we're going to continue on with our series now in the Minor Prophets as we look at the book of Amos, famous Amos today. So let's go to our chart uh, that gives us an overview of these Minor Prophets. 
And uh, as you can see, we look at all the different areas where these prophets fit in. We should have copies of that in the back if you would like one. But I'd like to zoom in on Israel, the northern kingdom. And you'll notice that there are two prophets. We can zoom in. The next slide. And uh, Hosea and Amos are the two prophets that were sent by God to minister, to declare his word to the people of the northern kingdom. Now, these are the 10 tribes that were to the north, not Judah, but Israel. And they would go eventually into captivity uh, by the Assyrians in 722 BC. And this, these two spokesmen for the Lord, Amos and Hosea, are really giving these people their last opportunity to repent and to turn back from the, from their, from their sinfulness. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Amos. He is a unique prophet. And then we're going to take some time to really look at his message, take a sample of his message and look at three commands that he gives in this passage. So let's begin with uh, the prophet with a twist. Let's take a look at this passage here in Amos chapter 7. He gives us a little background about who he was. He says, I was neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I was a shepherd. And I also took care of sycamore fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, go prophesy prophesy to my people Israel. Now then, hear the word of the Lord, Israel. So this guy, Amos, was not a professional minister. He was not a pastor. He was not a priest. He was not a prophet. He didn't come from a line of prophets. He was a businessman. Now, what's interesting about the book of Amos, when you begin to read it, and you read some of the commentaries about it, the, the Hebrew in the book of Amos is one of the most eloquent of all of the Old Testament. This guy wasn't just a shepherd. He wasn't just a, a fruit picker. He was a businessman. He was highly educated and probably ran a herding operation and an agricultural business. Okay, and the Lord called him from his business because he put a message down in his heart. As we think about Father's Day last week and we think about fathers, I think the Lord is calling us as men to be like famous Amos. He was a smart cookie. He leveraged, he leveraged the skills that he had been honing in the business world to accomplish the purposes of God. And that's what's significant about this particular prophet. He took risks and he stood up for the truth and he went to a place that was foreign to him, that was dangerous because it was the very heart of, um, of northern Israel's sinful uh, worship, a place called Bethel. We'll talk more about that later. And he stood for God. Now, God has gifted us as men here in Kirk of the Hills. He's gifted you, and he's honed your skills. Many of you have been honing your skills in the business world for years. You've become leaders. You've become salesmen. You've become uh, uh, directors, entrepreneurs. 
And God wants to use those skills. He's been preparing you, not for your benefit, but for his purposes. And so it's time for us to think, God, you have placed a message down in our heart. It's not a message of judgment. It's a message of good news. Amen. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has placed it down in our hearts. And it's time for us to to leverage the skills that God has given us to advance his kingdom. And so that was my Father's Day message for you last week. Okay? But it's just as good today. And it goes for all of us. So now uh, we're going to look at his message. We're going to, in essence, take a sample of his message. And we're going to think about three commands that he gives uh that he gives in this passage, this chapter four of the book of Amos. Amos is a long book. It's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy book, a lot of judgment in there. Uh, and I chose this passage because I feel that it's really representative of his message. Um, but don't, don't get, don't get all concerned. There's a lot of, there's a lot of powerful application in here for us. It's not just negative but it paints a picture for us about how we are to live our lives and the things that God requires of us. So let's begin by looking at the first command, which is stop twisting your priorities. Stop twisting your priorities. I want us to look at the first verse uh, of this passage. It says, hear this word, you cows of Bashan on Mount Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy and say to your husbands, bring us some drinks. <laughs> you gotta love this passage. I mean, what an image we have been given here. Let's unpack it for a moment because it is a little bit foreign to our ears. Bashan is the northeastern quadrant of Israel, and it is known for its herding. It's known for its cows. It was a ri- it had rich pasture lands, and as a result, the cows were well fed, and they were nice and plump. And uh, that's what he's saying about the women of Samaria. Y- yikes! Talk about taking risks. And so he's speaking about the women of the capital city. In other words, these are the wealthy aristocratic women of the city, the rulers, the nobility. And he's saying, you are like cow, the cows of Bashan. You're fat and you're happy. But the reason that you are so well fed is because you've been busy crushing the poor. You've been abusing the poor. Wow. That is a pretty heavy accusation. And I think it's really an important accusation as we think about what we're doing today. Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we going out today instead of staying here and worshiping and having two services so I can practice this sermon twice and get it right? Why are we doing it all in one one take? And then we're going out into the community, buying food, packing it up, giving it out to ministries. Why? Because God wants us to have a sensitivity and a heart for the needy in our community. Because if we don't nurture and develop a heart for the needy in our community, then what happens? It's very easy for us 
to take advantage of them and get wealthy off of their struggle and off of their pain. And we become exploiters of the poor and the needy in our community. Amen? And so we have to guard our hearts. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're going out and we're shopping from our own resources in order to give to those in need. Because we want the Lord to give us this sensitivity so that we're not like the fat cows of Bashan. Okay? We don't want to be like those kinds of people. Amen? Amen. And they say to their husbands, bring us some drinks. Very interesting statement here. The word for husband is Lord little l. And so in essence, what they've done is they have rebelled against God's order of the family. The men aren't being the lords and the women aren't supporting their husbands. The husbands have abdicated their role as the leaders of their families and the women are leading them around by the nose. And if there is rebellion at that level against the little lords, then there is rebellion against the Lord of lords. Amen. So if we are rebelling against the authorities that God has placed in our lives and we're turning things upside down because of our selfishness, then that probably means we're living in rebellion against God himself. And that's the message that Amos had for the people of Samaria, for the the leadership of the people there in this society. When we give up, when men give up their responsibility to lead their family spiritually and are consumed with the pleasures of life, then basic morality is abandoned and the poor are crushed. God is just. Look at the consequences of this twisting of priorities. In the next verse, we see that the sovereign Lord has sworn by his holiness the time will surely come when you will be taken away with hooks, the last of you with fish hooks, and you will each go straight through out through breaches in the wall. What is he talking about? You will be taken out with hooks. Well, how do you lead cattle around? You put a hook through their nose or a ring and you pull them around by the nose, right? And what's this thing about fish hooks? Well, how many of you ever been fishing? You know what this is? It's a stringer. And what's a stringer? Well, it's a series of hooks, right? That you put through the jaw of the fish after you catch it so that you can keep that fish before you're ready to clean him up, right? Well, this is exactly what the Assyrians would do to the people that they took into captivity. We have relief art of the Assyrians taking hooks and putting them through the jaws of their captors and tying them to ropes and leading them into captivity. This is exactly prophetically what would happen to them. If you treat people like animals and you abuse them, and you use them, and exploit them like livestock, then you will be treated like livestock by the Lord himself. It's a powerful message of judgment, isn't it? That's the picture. I'll set this over here. All right. 
Stop twisting your priorities. Now we move on to the second command that the Lord gives, and that is stop twisting your faith. Stop twisting your faith. Look at the passage. Look at what it says in verse four. It says, go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Burn leavened bread as a thank offering and brag about your free will offerings. Boast about them, you Israelites, for this is what you love to do, declares the sovereign Lord. All right. So what in the world is he talking about here? What is the point? Well, we have to think a little bit about what's going on in these particular places. So I'd like to start by talking about Bethel. What is Bethel all about? If we look at this map of Israel, you'll see Jerusalem down here. And in Jerusalem was the temple, the temple of David and Solomon, the temple where the Lord had decided to place his name. Okay. And but in northern Israel, they built rival temples. There was a temple to the south in Bethel and there was a temple to the north in Dan. Okay, one at each extreme of the northern uh, kingdom's territory. Now, um, when we read this passage and it says, go to Bethel, go to Gilgal uh, and sin. It sounds like a call to worship. I asked Aaron to read that call to worship this morning from Psalm 95. It's this call to worship. Come to the presence of the Lord. Let us bow down before our maker. Let us worship the Lord. Let us sing with gladness, right? That's a call to worship. That's throughout the book of Psalms and throughout the Bible. However, Amos turns it around and he says, go to Bethel and sin, right? So it's a sarcastic call to worship. All right. That's what I want you to catch about this. He's shocking them because he's calling out their religion. So what is special about these two places? Well, Bethel and Dan, it was decided by their, the first king of Israel, King Jeroboam, that rather than allow the people to go to Jerusalem and worship, he wanted them to stay in the country for his own political reasons, for his own political security, so they wouldn't see Jerusalem as the true capital. And so he built these false sanctuaries, and he, they worshiped the Lord, but they did it their own way. And he made two golden calves and he installed them at these sanctuaries. And he said, this is the God that brought you out of Egypt. And we're going to worship God like they do in Jerusalem, but we're going to do it our own way. And we're going to appoint our own priests and we're going to do it in different kinds of, and they mixed it all up. And this became an abomination to the Lord. This is the place where Amos, famous Amos was preaching. How many people today worship God in their own way? In a way that is convenient for themselves. But when we worship God in our way, God's not pleased. Jesus said of the Pharisees who prayed on the street corners. Do you remember what he said? They have their reward. They think that they're worshiping me, but in reality, they're not worshiping me. They've gotten their own reward. They have you know, made a show in front of the people. They've gotten the praise of the people. That's all they're going to get because I'm not happy, right? God was not happy with them because they were using religion for their own benefit. 
They had twisted their faith. And the same is true with us. What happens when we twist our faith? What does it look like for us? How do we make church whenever we make church about us rather than about God? We are twisting our faith and it's not pleasing to God. Amen. I love the video camera. My wife's not feeling well today. She's at home. She's watching on the video camera. What a blessing. We have people who are shut-ins who can't come to church and they're able to worship with us. We have visitors who will check us out on video before they'll ever come to this place. It is a wonderful tool. It's a way for us to stay connected when we're out of town. But if we're just using it for our convenience because we want to stay home and sit on our couch with our fuzzy slippers on and we don't want to come to church and fellowship with the other believers the way God intended for us to to support one another and to grow together and to challenge one another and to love one another and support one another. If we are avoiding that because we want something that's more convenient, that doesn't please the Lord. Amen? Okay? So let's not abuse the tool that God has given us. We use it. We thank the Lord for it. But yet we want to use it correctly. God is calling us to worship him as he has instructed. I've heard some people say, well, I feel most close to God when I'm out on the golf course. So I go golfing every Sunday. (laughs) Baloney. You're worshiping the Lord for your own convenience and God's not pleased. You can pray all you want. You can give all the tithes and offerings you want. God's not happy. That's not the way we please the Lord. We please the Lord By worshiping him as he has instructed us to worship him. Because there are reasons for that. Amen? And he wants us to be together. And he wants us to challenge one another. And to care for one another. He then says, go to Gilgal. Well, what in the the world is Gilgal? Well, Gilgal is down here just on the western side of the Jordan River. And obviously there was some kind of a shrine or sanctuary down there that was sinful that the prophet Amos is calling out. But what's important is to think about what Gilgal means. What is that place? Why is it important in the Bible? Uh, you may remember from your Bible reading that that is the point where Israel, Israel crossed the Jordan River. The word Gilgal actually means to roll. And the reason it means to roll is because God stopped the Jordan River and made it dry so that people could cross the river. And then he instructed them, when you're crossing the river, I want you to roll out 12 stones. And you're going to pile them up on the western side of the river. And you're going to make a monument to remind you about where you came from and how God has opened the door and blessed you and given you a land and given you a hope and given you a promise and how he's changed your life from being slaves and then wanderers in the desert to having a land and being blessed by God. We need to remember where we come from, church. Amen? We need to remember that once we were lost in our sinfulness. Once we were blind and now we can see. Once we belong to this kingdom of darkness and now we have been translated into the kingdom of light. We have to remember that. The people of Israel forgot it. And as a matter of fact, they built a pagan shrine at that place and they're being called out about it. 
It's dangerous when we forget what God has done for us in the past. This Bible constantly tells us, remember, remember, remember. It's about adjusting our hearts because this life draws us away from God. Am I right? And we get cool, we get cooled off. As a matter of fact, at the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation to the church in Ephesus, God said, you have lost your what? You've lost your first love. You got cold, baby. And you better get it back. You've lost that loving feeling. And it's time to get it back. Because we have to remember what God has done for us in the past so that we can remain strong and close to him and continue to serve him. Because if you forget your entrance, you will be carried off through the exit. That's what Amos is saying. If you forget what God did when he brought you into the land, you're going to be carried out of the land. It's pretty cool pretty scary let's go to the last commandment the last commandment is the longest one we're not going to read all of it again but it is stop twisting your volume stop twisting your volume i remember when i was a kid we would take road trips we would come well we lived in new jersey and my grandmother my dad's mom lived in bentonville arkansas so we would drive all the way from new jersey to bentonville arkansas And my dad, you know, you know how you're driving back in the day, you'd put the radio on. And of course, the radio, you had satellite radio, you had to find a radio station, you know, like every few minutes. Right. And my dad would put the radio on and he would find a station that my brother and sister and I would like. And we'd be like, I'll keep that on. Right. And he would turn it way down. (laughs) I don't like that screaming and yelling music. Right. You know, your dad's that's the way they work. He didn't like it. It bothered him. So he'd turn the volume down. And you know, we do that with God's voice. God speaks to us and we don't like what he has to say sometimes. And so we turn the volume down so that we don't have to listen to him. And that's exactly what the people of Israel were doing. Do you believe that God reaches into your life and sends you messages? Do you believe that God is actually active in our lives? That he's not aloof somewhere in heaven behind a cloud somewhere. But that he's actually involved and he's communicating with us. And and leading us and guiding us and speaking to us in different ways. Do you believe that? I believe it. But sometimes we don't want to hear what he has to say. Right? Because he calls us on our junk. And he calls us to straighten up. So here we have five messages. Five messages that God speaks, and he speaks through circumstances. I believe that God speaks through circumstances. We certainly see it here. As a matter of fact, God had made covenant promises with the people of Israel. He had said, if you keep my commandments and you follow me and you love me and you do what I ask you to do, then I'm going to make your crops prosper. And you're not even going to have the opportunity to finish all of the stuff, the food you have stored up before I'm going to fill up your silos again. And if you listen to me and you follow my commandments, then I'm going to make sure that the rain comes in its seasons just the right amount so that your crops grow and the land is prosperous and there's grazing and there's all the things that you need in order to prosper you. 
And I'm going to keep you safe from your enemies. I'm going to run off your enemies. I'm going to protect you from those on the outside. And I'm going to uh, do all of these wonderful things. But if you don't follow me, then I'm going to send hunger and drought and plagues and war and tragedies into your life. And talk about my dad again, because it's Father's Day. Yes, last week. And um, my dad had this progression of discipline with us, as, especially as boys, when we would be misbehaving, horsing around in church, you know, whatever it was. At first, we'd get the look. You know the look, right? My dad had these big, bushy eyebrows, and he would look at us. His eyebrows would come together, and they would come down like this. <laughs> and um, my, my oldest nephew, his first grandson, gave it, gave it the, the name. It was called Grandpa Eyes. You get grandpa eyes. When you got grandpa eyes, you bet you knew you better straighten up. Okay, that was number one. If we didn't heed that warning, a verbal warning would come. Behave, straighten up. If we didn't heed that, the next one was a little more severe. You ever get thumped on the head? I don't know what, what is what it was about my dad. He was a little guy, but he had the strongest hands. I think he milked cows when he was a kid or baled hay or whatever. I don't know what he did, but his hands were really strong. And he would thump my brother and I on the head. And it hurt. I mean, seriously, you could hear it through echo through the church. Right on your head. And this is exactly what God is doing to his people. They hadn't listened to the grandpa buys. And they hadn't listened to the verbal warnings of the prophets. And so now he's thumping them on the head. Right? He's taking away their food. He's bringing drought and plagues. And he's allowing war. And he's, uh, he's whacking them on the head. This, just like my dad. It hurts. But not as much as the hurt you're going to get when you get home. Right? And the same was true for the people of Israel. The thumping hurts. But it's going to get worse. And you see, God was thumping the people of Israel. And what happened? And yet, after each one of these, and yet you have not returned to me. You see, God was speaking to them through the circumstances in their life. And sometimes God speaks to us. Sometimes things don't go wrong, don't go well in our lives. And we start to ask the question, Lord, you need to ask the question, Lord, are you speaking to me? Now, I'm not saying that all difficulty and all tragedy is God punishing us. That's not the case. But sometimes God stirs things up and he thumps us in the head. Amen? Because he wants to get us our, our attention. It's not to, to damage us. It's, he's trying to save us from the ultimate consequences of our sinfulness. And so when God thumps you in the head, pay attention. All right. When through circumstances, you realize that God is speaking to you, that you're going in the wrong direction, then straighten up, turn back to him, because what's coming down the road is worse. Because then you're going to feel the full consequences of your sinfulness. Amen. And so God, in his mercy, thumps us on the head. That's one of the ways that God speaks to us. Another, another way that God speaks to us is through the majesty of who he is. 
He who forms the mountains, who creates the wind, who turns dawn to darkness, who treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God Almighty is his name. Amen. God is the God of creation. He is the God of awesome power. He is the God who formed the mountains, who creates the winds. We know a little bit about wind, don't we? We experienced the full power of the voice of God this past week here in Tulsa. And it was interesting. We were at the General Assembly last week up in Highland, High, Highland Ranch, Denver. And we left a half hour before a tornado hit the church where we were visiting. Craziness. But anyway, uh, God sometimes speaks to us as we look at creation. And we think, we contemplate the mountains and we contemplate the wind and the power of God and the, 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 who he is as the creator of the universe. And it should cause us to turn to him, to realize our place in the universe that we need to look to him. And the people of Israel were not responding to that. And yet this is one of the ways that God speaks to us. And then finally, he reveals his thoughts to mankind. I love this part. It says, prepare to meet your God who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness. God speaks to us. He whispers to us in the quiet of our hearts. Amen. You ever have God whisper to you? You wake up in the middle of the night and you got this feeling. The Lord's speaking to you and he's he's bringing thoughts into your mind and he's correcting us and he's leading us and he's convicting us. God, in the stillness of our heart, speaks to us. This is the way he spoke to the prophets. This is the way he speaks to his people. And God continues to speak to us this way if we will listen. But yet we want to turn the volume down, don't we? Because if he's saying something we don't want to hear, right? We don't want to listen. Stop twisting the volume knob in the wrong direction. Listen to what God is saying to you. He is speaking all the time. Friends, it's time to get serious. It's time to listen to the voice of God. And if required, let's make a U-turn. Let's turn around. Return to God. And follow him as he desires for us to follow him. Amos does a masterful job of calling out God's people. To turn their attention back to him. And he's calling each one of us today. Turn back to me. Listen to what I'm saying. Because I love you. I want to save you. I want to lead you in my ways. But you've got to listen. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for famous Amos. We thank you, Lord God, for the message that he gives us. It's a passage. It's a, it's a book that we don't read often, but yet it is your word to us. And as we read it, as we contemplate, as we think about the rich imagery that Amos paints for us, Lord God, may we be called back to you, to trust in you, to hear you, and to do what you say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.